1: Good morning. How's it going, everyone? This is Tyler Dunn at GoLong. Thank you so much for listening to the GoLong podcast and for reading everything at GoLongTD.com. Means the world that you subscribe, listen, share. We've got a lot of stuff coming your way uh, all month. So this past week, as we've talked about, been on this training camp tour uh, here in Buffalo. I should say Rochester for Bill's camp. Drove down to Latrobe, Pennsylvania Talk to the Pittsburgh Steelers. We got into that on the last episode. So I figured this episode, we talk a little bit about the last two stops. Uh, the Indianapolis Colts and the Cincinnati Bengals. So I uh, spent some time with the Colts. Spent some time with the Bengals. And hey, you know, a huge, huge thank you to Steelers, Colts, Bengals, uh, public relations departments for facilitating some in- interviews for some features that we're going to have at the site. I think you're really going to enjoy what we have coming uh, but in the meantime, before we get to those longer form stories, I thought it would be good to have these camp tour reports. So you can read them all at the site. Uh, the Colts, we have a story up on Jonathan Taylor and how he's trying to really kind of buck history and be a running back that can sustain this pace. It's difficult. So Christian uh, McCaffrey, obviously, has had his injury issues the last couple seasons. But Jonathan Taylor's hoping his mind, his mindfulness, I should say, plays a role in. You know, being able to keep this going for the Colts. So there's that story. Also, Pittsburgh talked to Cam Hayward about playing the villain. Uh, You can read that at Go Along. And as we just posted Monday morning, Eli Apple, America's favorite cornerback. He's never shy, and he's never afraid to talk. (laughs) And uh, you probably caught the feature that we had on him out of that AFC championship win over the Kansas City Chiefs when he had the big tackle on Tyreek Hill at the end of the first half that prevented a 28-10 hole. So they they come away 21-10, get into halftime, then obviously Patrick Mahomes is a different quarterback in the second half, and since his defense had everything to say about that. So... Talk to Eli Apple again. You can catch that story at Go long But as always, try to kind of supplement everything we have going on at the newsletter here on the podcast feed in case this is how you're consuming our content at the moment. Uh, today, we'll talk about the Colts and the Bengals. First things first, the Colts out in Westfield, Indiana. Interesting team. You know, this is a defense, I think that has a lot of star power on each level. Now, we've we've written about Unique Ngakwe and, and everything he's kind of been through off the field. He, he opened up like never before, obviously, for, for a story a few months back. But on the field, it, it's clear that he is the difference maker for this unit. That first step, I don't care if you're in pads, no pads, going against your own team, going against opponents, it's different. It's rare. I mean, there was an eleven on eleven period that I caught at practice. I was there for two days. The first one of the first drill, and he just completely blew it up. You know, I don't think it was offsides either. He 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 was there in a split second and ended the play just like that. That that's the kind of speed that he has. And talk about a guy who's incentivized to have a huge year. I mean, he's still seeking that huge payday. So. And I think he wants it to be in Indianapolis. I mean, you can kind of follow him on social media. He, he loves the city. He's trying to develop a relationship with the fans, with the team, with the coaches, everything. He, he's really embracing everything at this point of his life. You know, when you go through so much just shit, for the lack of a better word, off the field, on the field, you get to a point where it's time to just take a deep breath and relish the opportunity, and I, I think that just as he has kind of embraced uh, life you know, off the field and, and, and has a sense of gratitude uh, on the field, he's ready to have a home. I mean, He's been traveling all over the country, team to, team to team to team to team, right? Jacksonville, Minnesota, Baltimore, Las Vegas, now Indianapolis. You don't see a really talented player kind of get shipped around like this. I mean, it's a short list of players who have 8-plus sacks over, I believe, what five five seasons. He's on that list with a bunch of Hall of Famers. So, yeah, I, I think Yannick Ngakwe on that defensive line. And let's not forget who he's playing alongside. You're, you're talking about DeForest Buckner, a D-tackle, a top-five D-tackle, who is going to draw a ton of attention. So he'll get those one-on-one opportunities to just go. And he's back at that Leo position where you can just go. I mean Gus Bradley's is defensive coordinator. He's got the freedom, the green light to just fly upfield where I mean let's face it, Baltimore you don't necessarily have that freedom with Wink Martindale. His scheme is is more predicated on just mass confusion, mass chaos, guys dropping and rushing and you know, changing positions and it's successful, but it, it's not conducive to one singular pass rusher getting you know 13, 14, 15 sacks. So we could see that kind of season out of Unique and Gakwe. You go then, you know, a level back. I think if there is some concern with this team, what we'll see how much could could should be concerned about it. Uh, Darius Leonard, star linebacker who seems to force a fumble every game, um, he's been sidelined with a neck injury from the offseason. season. And, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of see how this shakes out. The team doesn't sound too concerned, but, gosh, you hear neck, and doesn't it just kind of send a chill up your own neck? I mean, you don't want to hear that for any player that plays such a violent game, such a violent position. And this may be the best linebacker in the NFL, at least the, the best playmaking linebacker in the NFL. In 16 games last season, Darius Leonard forced eight fumbles. He forced a fumble in every other game. And he had 122 tackles, uh, four tackles for loss, three quarterback hits. He's just around the ball. Oh, yeah, four interceptions too. a first-team all-pro, back-to-back seasons. Uh, that They need him out there, Darius Leonard. And, and, man, what a steal in that 2018 draft. When you look back at that class, I mean, there's some teams that obviously wish that they would have taken Darius Leonard. And so I get it, hindsight's 2020, right? you know, we could we could play this game till the cows come home. I obviously understand that, but I'm just pulling it up now. You go back and you look at that draft. You have Roquan Smith going 8 overall. Tremaine Edmonds 16 overall to Buffalo. Uh, Rashawn Evans 22 to Tennessee. A lot of teams had opportunities at Darius Leonard and didn't take it. He went 36 to the Colts. Out of South Carolina State, obviously. So, a steal, but now they need him out there. Well, you know, we'll see how quickly he can return. And it's always important to kind of listen to the tone of these injury updates. You know, I've mentioned it a few times, but Zach Kiefer's excellent podcast series on Andrew Luck at the Athletic is absolutely worth everyone's time. But you know, there were these little tea leaves along the way from Frank Reich, from Andrew Luck, that you know, hinted at health issues and most importantly, where Luck was mentally with his health issues um through the years so and always keep an eye when you're listening to any coach, any player you know, it's such a delicate subject a player's injury status um, but you can get you can d- definitely pick up a lot by the tone of things so I think they, they need him back but then on the back end, I mean you look at their secondary whew. Kenny Moore, one of the better nickelbacks in the NFL as we know, Stefan Gilmore everybody here in Buffalo who's listening remember him well. There were some ups and downs early in his career, but very quickly cemented himself as a a true one-on-one him on an island lockdown cornerbacks in the NFL. Um, A defensive player of the year, not many of those at cornerback through the years. A Super Bowl winner, two-time Super Bowl winner, Really could have been the Super Bowl MVP of the Rams win. The Colts get him. It, it's it, it's a coup, you know. Obviously, he was at Carolina in between, it, it didn't end well for Gilmore uh, with with Bill Belichick and the Patriots. But for for the Colts to get him at two years, twenty million, that's I mean, that's a steal. I, I think that for a team that's really trying to capitalize on a window, um, that's money well spent. And and really, it's all about that window for the Colts because. They're still looking for their long-term answer at quarterback. I think Chris Ballard, Frank Reich, you know, two of the more honest GM and coach combinations that you, you'll, you'll find in the entire NFL. They'll, they'll give it to you straight. They, they've even made it clear. like They're still searching for that long-term answer at quarterback. It's yet another starter to open up a season. Uh, Rivers was good. Not great. It's the big throw he had to connect on in the playoffs against the Bills. Carson Wentz did not pan out like they were hoping, Uh, to put it mildly. Jim Ursay did not mince his words after the season. I think that Jaguars loss is viewed as one of the worst losses in franchise history. I mean, that's a Colts team that really nobody wanted to face at the end of the year. But that running game, that defense, that's the Bills. I mean, they probably still have bruises from that game at Highmark Stadium. So uh, to lose to Jacksonville, not even get in the playoffs, in the expanded field, Brutal and Carson Wentz was not good at Jacksonville, so instead of starting over with a rookie with a young guy, they they basically played that game of musical chairs. Uh, they opted to not sell their soul and make a play for Deshaun Watson, which is admirable, good for the Colts. They go with Matt Ryan, you know, the 2016 NFL MVP when he was with Kyle Shanahan and Matt Lafleur and that great Falcons coaching staff and. Julio Jones is right in his prime. Look, yeah, we can talk about everybody else that was around him, but hey, Matt Ryan had to go out there and win MVP. He had to make those throws. And if they just, you know, take a quarterback knee, I mean, do anything but throw the ball at the end of that Super Bowl, he's also a Super Bowl champ. What does he have left? Well, he's 37 years old. Um... I have a hard time, as I said on the last podcast, just drawing sweeping conclusions from watching a couple practices. But there are ups and downs. You know, He missed some fade routes when they were in that drill. More than anything, I just wonder who's going to step up at receiver outside of Michael Pittman. They hope it's Alec Pierce. It may be. Um, he's getting a crash course facing Stephon Gilmore every day. That's only going to help Pierce out of Cincinnati. So he should be that guy that they're dependent on. But somebody's going to have to step up. You know, you think back to late last season, I get it, Wentz was part of the problem, but even that win against the Patriots, right? I think Carson Wentz completed five passes. So it's like if you don't have Pittman or you take out Pittman, it was really hard for other players to step up. And this is a team that's going to run through Jonathan Taylor. Um, They make no bones about it. I mean, they have a special transcendent talent at running back who is not not only a great runner, who, who's a threat to go 2,000 on the ground, but he can catch the ball. And you see this often with, with, with Wisconsin running backs where they weren't asked to do it in college. Uh, they, they're not asked to catch the ball a ton out of the backfield. And then they get to the pros, and they're asked to do it, and they're perfectly fine. I mean, James White ended up being Tom Brady's go-to security blanket um, in that aforementioned Super Bowl, especially against the Falcons. Just... You know, really keyed that comeback win so t- Taylor's got some hands he can run some routes everything will go through him and you know it's it, it's injuries I think he's done a lot with you know high tech injury prevention Stefani Bell had a great story ESPN.com kind of breaking down the different things he's he's doing down those lines and for Jonathan Taylor a lot of it's that, that mindfulness just being present in the moment that meditation, breathing exercises he's really kind of refocused all of that in his world that he did back in Madison in college. So that was a change for him this offseason too. Hey, he's one of the smarter players in the entire league. I mean, this is somebody that could have gone to Harvard, uh, could have gone to Yale. He was seriously considering pursuing a career as an astrophysicist and went to Madison, tried to have the best of both worlds. Great education, great playing career. You know what's funny is I, I just laugh because I, I mean, we, we see Jonathan Taylor just you know, if, if he plays that last year in college, he sets the NCAA rushing record. And what would he have done in the Ivy League? I mean, imagine these guys trying to tackle Jonathan Taylor in the Ivy League. It, it would have been disastrous. I mean, there would have been just bodies left all over the field. So, anyways, he's the best running back in the NFL. It will go through him. And there is a lane. I mean, you can talk yourself into the Indianapolis Colts winning a Super Bowl. You know, I don't know if I'll make that leap right now, but, you know, right now this is a team that, to me, I think wins the AFC South um, and, and gets into the playoffs and maybe does some damage. It's, it may, may, I guess it's still hard for me to take that leap with Matt Ryan at the moment. You know, let's see what he has at his age. Uh, not out of the realm of possibility. You know, we've seen what quarterbacks can do in different situations. You know, Matthew Stafford with Sean McVay and the Rams, but you know, this is a different team and a different offense that wants to run the ball and maybe doesn't have as many weapons as those Rams did. We'll see how it plays out. Um, but yes, great, great stop in, in Indiana and then drove over to Cincinnati just a couple hours away. Uh, you know, I mentioned it on Twitter too. Extremely underrated city. Um, gosh, you got the bourbon right across the border in Kentucky. You've got uh, an amazing restaurant, The Eagle, the best fried chicken you'll ever eat in your life. And it's, yeah, you know me, I'm a small market guy. I, I kind of like the little guy in the NFL. There's something, there's something quaint. There's something uh, endearing about an owner who isn't caught up in power and greed. And I get it. It probably drives Bengal fans nuts sometimes with how he spends. And hey, you know what? It's fun to see. It's different to see. And I think that the Cincinnati Bengals are in a really good spot. I mean, let's put it mildly. They're in an exceptional spot as a franchise right now. This is a team that we're all forgetting about. We're all kind of sleeping on because all the other teams in the conference are, are kind of chasing them. I mean, they're looking for that quarterback. They're looking for those weapons. Um, they're, they're trying to find pass rushers. And we're all kind of conditioned to think teams that lose in the Super Bowl are guaranteed to be average the next year. I mean, that, that's definitely what the numbers tell us. Um, as Peter King noted earlier in this offseason of the last 27 teams to lose in the Super Bowl, only one has won the conference championship and gotten back to that Super Bowl the next year, and that was the New England Patriots in 2018. And if you take away that team, you know, I'm going to pull up the exact number here. Omit those 18 Patriots and the last six Super Bowl losers have won an average of 8.8 games the next year. So, you obviously can talk yourself into Cincinnati going that route because, yeah, they, they got hot at the right time. They stayed healthy at the most important positions. They had the big comeback win against Kansas City. They caught Tennessee, a number one seed that, you know, had some holes that maybe... We didn't talk enough about on this podcast, but you know they got Henry back late. They kind of uh, backed into the number one seat if it was possible. So you know you, you catch them that week before. You you, I, you know you can talk yourself into Cincinnati being that eight win nine win team in twenty twenty two, but I just can't go that route here. I mean, right now this is probably a team I'd pencil in. It leads the conference championship game and maybe the Super Bowl because of Joe Burrow. I, it, and, you know, the best way to kind of sum up Joe Burrows is what we talked about with Jim Monas uh, last week when we joined up together for the podcast. You look at rookie quarterbacks, and most all of them are skittish to some degree. They're a little frantic in the pocket. seeing ghosts, as Sam Darnold you know, told us, but they're they're a little off. I mean, you can see with Kenny Pickett in Pittsburgh, right? Almost afraid of getting, kind of getting hit when there's no reason for him to be. He's not going to get hit. Uh, Zach Wilson last season, a player who at BYU did whatever the hell he wanted to, just played that improvisational brand of quarterbacking that is untouchable, did not look like the same quarterback. Even Trevor Lawrence. I mean, you're talking about a Heisman Trophy winner, the best player in college football. And we can blame Urban Meyer all we want, and it's justified. It was awful. Trevor Lawrence, you know, he deserves some of the blame too. He, He was a different quarterback. And then Joe Burrow as a rookie, despite a line that was not good, despite getting sacked all the time, Joe Burrow looked calm. I mean, he just looked calm. The game came easy to him. He went through his reads. He saw the game at a different level. And we'll link to it here uh, on the podcast. But, you know, we had this story late last season chatting with his high school coach. This is somebody as early as, what, like ninth, 10th grade. He's kind of seeing the game at a different speed. I mean, he's making X. He's going from read one to two to three. And it's all the product of being the son of a college football coach. I mean, he's been around film his entire life. So nothing really going to surprise him out there at an extremely young age. At 21, 22, 23, he's able to kind of see the field at a level. The Lawrences and the Wilsons and the Fieldses and the Lances hope that they're seeing the, the field you know, two, three, four years down the road, so he's only going to get better. And oh, by the way, the Bengals have the best trio of wide receivers in the NFL: Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd. Uh, it does not get better than that at wide receiver. So, yeah, it, 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 it's funny to look back and, and see everybody shaming the Bengals for not taking an offensive tackle out of Oregon at five overall that last season. Just ridiculous. They did the right thing. They got Burrow, his receiver from LSU. Um, I've referenced this through a few times, but it, it was actually a loss when they lost to San Francisco in the regular season. But it was an incredible comeback by the Bengals. Burrow had made this throw to Jamar Chase back at the end zone where, I mean, when he releases the ball to the corner on the run... Jamar Chase is actually running the opposite direction. So they both know that Chase is going to stop on a dime, reverse course, and hit that corner. So, you know, you only get to that point with a lot of reps, and they have a lot of reps back to college, a lot of experience together. And that's just the offense, you know? Defensively, which defense is more equipped to handle just the influx of quarterbacks and influx of receivers and offensive talent in the AFC. I, I'd argue it's Cincinnati that, that is most equipped for that. Because we saw it. We saw Patrick Mahomes post a 12 quarterback rating in the second half of that game. We saw Trey Hendrickson, Sam Hubbard, you know, getting a ton of pressure up front. And on the back end, Chittabeuze, Uze, one of the better cornerbacks in the entire NFL, you know, you can leave him alone on your top receiver. You have a, a linebacker Logan Wilson who's athletic. He can run. He can he can do his best against a guy like Lamar Jackson. You know, running after him. I remember what he said. That it's so funny that people take it as a slight when he described Lamar Jackson as you know an exceptional running back too. I mean, that's praise. He is. Uh, but he did a, he did a fine job on him, and then at safety, Jesse Bates. You know that if there's a concern you have with Cincinnati, kind of like what's up with Darius Sutter and Indy, Jesse Bates is not a training camp. Um, he they gave him the franchise tag. He has not signed it. It's about 13 mil for the year. He's likely seeking what 17, 18 mil a year. That's what Micah Fitzpatrick got with the Steelers. I get Cincinnati being hesitant when you've got Burrow to worry about, Chase, Higgins, Wilson. These guys and their contracts down the road with an ownership that doesn't necessarily like to spend a lot of money. And they did they did just kind of go through a round of free agent signings. I mean, that's what kind of helped them get to the Super Bowls. They paid up for Hendrickson and Mike Hilton. So, you know, will they pay up for Bates? I don't know. They covered their tracks in the draft by drafting Daxon Hill. And I think that Bates' push comes to shove. That's a lot of money still, 13 mil. For one year, he's still young, twenty-five, you know, he'll have his bite at the apple still if he plays and stays healthy. I would think he shows up. It's a really tight group at in that secondary. These guys are really close. It's one of the reasons they they gel so well on the field. So when he gets out there though, you've got Bates, you've got Von Bell. And really one of those plays that kind of sparked Cincinnati's resurgence. Was Von Bell, like, lighting up Juju Smith-Schuster? Remember that game in primetime? The Steelers uh, were still uh, the, t- the best team in the AFC, best record in the AFC a couple years ago, and they go to Cincinnati. Juju's doing his, his TikTok and on, sh- on, on the Bengals logo before the game, and Von Bell just absolutely blows him up on the field. It's it's one of the better hits you'll see in the, in the modern NFL. So um, everywhere you look in that secondary, you've got mean, gnarly, Outcasts, really. I mean, hey, we mentioned Eli Apple too. He's an outcast of all outcasts. I mean he's 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 been let go and written off as a bust and mocked on social media incessantly. So you've got a group of players with an edge with something to prove. I, I think that I think that when you look at secondaries across the AFC, you know, Buffalo, you know, they did have the number one pass defense last season, but when they came to playing against the stars, like a Mahomes they didn't fare nearly as well as Cincinnati did. So I think the Bengals do have the best DB group in that, yeah, if you were a gun to the head right now, I'd say they'd get back to the Super Bowl um, when you add it all up. You know, you can never count for injuries. We'll see what happens. But a lot to love about the Cincinnati Bengals. And um, as mentioned, we've got an Eli Apple story in our camp report today, but extremely excited about everything we have for you guys um, in the coming weeks at Go Long on some longer-form stories um, again, just a, a huge thank you to these teams for the access and, and really getting to know these players. We'll share more on all of that uh, very, very soon. I think you'll really enjoy it. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast, everyone. I'll be reunited with my main man, Jim Monis, soon, live at Hamburg Brewing Company. Cannot wait for that. In the meantime, thanks for reading. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing. We'll talk
0: soon.